0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Life and Sport podcast. I'm your host, CJ, and we're joined by another race car driver. Uh, he's done Super 2s and Supercars. His name is Todd Hazelwood. Thanks for joining us today. And how have you been the, uh, today so far?
1: Thanks, CJ. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, really good. Thanks. Um, yeah, we just getting preparations underway for the fourth round of Supercars Championship over in Perth next weekend. So, um, yeah, just getting ready for that at the moment, but all going well. Thank you.
0: That's good to hear. And yeah, no worries, mate. Um, so obviously, Life and Sport is about uh, guests that I have on to talk about their life in whatever their sport is. And yours is racing, uh, race car driving, etc. cetera. Uh, so let's get a little bit of your grassroots. Uh, you were born in September 1995. Um, and where did your
1: love of car racing begin? Yeah, for me, I was sort of born into a motorsport man family, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, my old man dad he uh, used to race desert racing on two wheels and motorbikes and yep. um, my fu- my mum and dad both followed uh, what is now known as Moto MotoGP um, the World Superbike Championship pretty closely yep. just before I was born and probably two wheel crazy more than four wheels but um, <laughs> yeah I suppose that's where it, you know the, the the motorsport gene comes from but yeah as soon as I was born into the family uh, I was uh, pretty much exposed to cars and, and racetracks from a young age and that was all I knew and all I loved and um yeah tried a few other sports but you know definitely the the day I got in a go-kart for the first time seven years old um simply didn't look back that I knew that was the thing for me and um that was everything I wanted to do from a very young age
0: yeah that's fair um and talk about uh, as you just said receiving you know go-kart and then you know racing go-karts and um at what point obviously you said you know you you knew you wanted to do that um uh, obviously, um, not obviously, but I interviewed a bloke a, a few weeks ago, and he started out go kart racing as most um race car drivers do. What was there a transitional period for you, um, going from go karting to cars?
1: Yeah, look, I, I suppose the dream to go car racing was always there from a young age. Um, yeah, you know, I was pretty much obsessed with the idea of becoming a supercar driver from a very tender age. So that was always the dream, and um, but obviously the more we progress through karting, we soon understood that, that, that next step up was going to be a huge challenge financially more than anything else. Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, I've heard like, cause our actual, my next door neighbor is Brendan strong. Yeah. I, I think that's his last name. I may be wrong, but he's in the uh, super threes. Um, And yeah, absolutely. It is a financial issue. And so continue with what you were saying.
1: Yeah, look, it was, um yeah, we're, we're quite fortunate at the time Um, in go-karting. I was part of a, um, a, a race team that, that had a what they called an arrow Awards program, which gave uh-huh. me my first shot in an open wheel race car for the very first time. Oh wow! And, uh, and I was able to progress and 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 essentially do a test day, which would then determine if I was good enough to do a free race meeting. And okay, you know, out of the six drives uh, drivers that were competing for this free race meeting, I, I was able to win that opportunity, and they oh, wow. gave me my first take first taste in a Formula Ford race car, which was pretty cool. And That's awesome. um. But, you know, unfortunately, from that first race meeting that we did, we didn't have the funds to continue on. So we essentially oh, okay. spent a year off from karting, um, just trying to save up and, and get funds together and did a lot of fundraising. And and then from that in 2012, we then made the commitment to do the Victorian Formula Ford State Championship, which was my first year in circuit racing. And yep. um, I suppose that, that big transition from go karts into car racing, which was, um, it was a huge effort. I was still in school at the time and working on the car with myself and in the team at, at, uh, with Burham Beasley in particular, who was helping us out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a big challenge, but, um, that was supposed to, the, the, the first step of making that transition from carts to cars. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and
0: you've been racing for, I mean, well on the web, on your website, it says 18 plus years. So that would include karting and all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, obviously you've got to love what you do uh, to be successful in any career, whether it's supercar driver, race car, um, you know, accountant, anything you got to, you got to love what you do. Um, And it says on the website that you were just six weeks old when you went to the Adelaide Grand Prix circuit for the first time. Um, So it really is, you know, a a really born into a thing, as you were saying, what's your earliest memory of
1: racing? (laughs) Yeah, you I right. uh, um Unfortunately, I don't remember that going to the 1995 Australian Grand Prix, which would have been a cool memory. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I actually did my first lap around a racetrack at that event. Uh, my dad was part of the Duttons Grand Prix Rally, mm-hmm. um, and they got to do a promotional lap. So I was, I was in a, I got put under a baby blanket and did a lap around the racetrack, which is <laughs> pretty, pretty cool moment for the family. But I don't remember a moment of it, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, for me, uh, we, you know, every second weekend or every nearly every weekend I was either going to the Colin Grove Hill Climb with my dad um, on on the Saturdays or we'd go out to Manila Raceway, a um, track about an hour out of Adelaide, um, yeah, yeah on, on weekends. So, yeah, that were probably my earliest memories, probably four or five years old. I remember playing with my Hot Wheels in the dirt while I watched cars go around on the circuit. And, um, yeah, all that sort of stuff. We used to, any reason to go out to the track, whether it be truck racing, super sprint events, anything that was on, um, we used to go out and watch it.
0: Yeah. Nice. Um, and speaking of, um, you know, races and watching them and all that, obviously the, the penultimate one in supercars is Bathurst, um, which you've had somewhat, uh, success, but you definitely made your biggest impact and your best, uh, time last year, finishing eighth, um, What's your um, goal for this? Obviously, your goal is always, is always to try and win it. Um, but how did you handle um, finishing eighth last year in the sense of driving it and all that sort of stuff
1: compared to the two years previously? Um, look, yeah, to be honest, Bathurst has been pretty tough, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. my, up until last year, my first crack at it as a co-driver was probably my best result. The, last, the years after that, had a pretty tough run. Um, had two DNFs in a row um, in mm-hmm. 2019. 2020 which was pretty disheartening um you know the the amount of preparation that goes into that event both you know in the workshop physically and mentally and then for it all to unfold throughout the day and not to finish is um is tough it's and it gets tougher the more the more times you do it it feels like almost the place hates you so Mm. um look last year was again it was a tough race we didn't have a lot of things going our way we had the car was sort of failing around us but um, You know, we had a good strategy towards the end of the day, and fortunately, we did have a fast car, um, and we we're able to pl- pluck off some, some positions towards the pointy end of the race, and yep. to get that first top ten finish in, in the Bathurst one thousand was pretty special, and no doubt, um, you know, going to this year, you always want to improve from the the, the previous season. So, absolutely, yeah, for me, this year, obviously, going to a to Bathurst this year with the team at Matt Stone Racing, you know, mm-hmm. where they've had a pretty tough run there in the past as well, so. Between us both, we're pretty motivated to use Bathurst as an opportunity to, you know, really, I suppose, stake stake our authority within within that place, and, and mm-hmm. hopefully we can have a good result.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, and speaking of Matt Stone Racing, um, you were with Matt Stone Racing quite a while ago, and then you uh, switched to a different company, and now you're back at Matt Stone Racing. Um, how has your time at Matt Stone Racing, like the current Matt Stone Racing time, uh, been for you as a, an individual, and how has it helped progress your driving?
1: Yeah, it seems at Matt Stone Racing is um, certainly a lot bigger and better when I was last there in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. The whole program has really stepped up um, and really impressed with everything that they've done in the two years that I've been away from them, you know, they've certainly staked up their capability in more ways than one. And they're only going to get bigger. They're only going to get stronger. And they've got the right people in place to do the to do the job properly. And um, I've always been a big believer of Matt um, and his vision of what he wants to achieve in the sport. And, you know, he's a hard worker. He's probably one of the only team owners in pit lane that's got the capability to do all the jobs required on the workshop floor and run the business itself. He's, oh, wow. he's, um, he's certainly the multitasker and very impressive worker. And and that's why I really enjoy working under the stone name. Obviously there's a, there is so much history, but Matt is his own, his own man. He, you know, he doesn't rely on that legacy for him to, to make his team work. You know, he's very much his, you know, Matt stone is Matt stone. You know, he, he works hard for what he gets and, I think we've got a fantastic vibe within the workplace—a um, real proper back-slapping environment where everyone's getting along, but everyone's mm-hmm. hungry for for success and wants to grow the team and and get the results. And I think the best thing this year is that obviously we've been working hard, but we have been able to get a taste of what could be if we just get a few things just in order. And and you know, still very early on in the partnership to have two top fives in the first three rounds of the year. I think is a great kudos and now to be currently 10th in a championship, I think it's a great start to our partnership together.
0: Oh, absolutely. It is. It's, it's a testament in in all honesty to both how hard you work as an individual yourself and how hard Matt Stone, A himself and B the organization works like with you together. It's, it's an amazing accomplishment so far. And speaking of cars, obviously that's what we're all about race cars and all that. Uh, What is your dream car?
1: Um, Look, I'm a bit of a, an Aussie bogan at heart, if you call it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I love my old car. Um, so for me, I've always had the the posts on the wall since I was young as I can remember. And it's um, Ford XB Coupe um, would have to be the dream car. If I could have that in the shed one day, I'd be a happy man. Um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, certainly wouldn't be probably the genuine article, but uh, an AC Shelby Cobra uh, with mm. 427, it uh, that would be... Um, yeah, if I had either one of those in my garage, I'd be a very happy man.
0: <laughs> very, very nice. Well, maybe one day. Um, and what are some of your hobbies outside of um, racing? Because every sports athlete, whether it's car racing, footy or not, they, they obviously need to have something to help them take them away from the sport to relax.
1: What are your hobbies to do when you're not racing? Um, for me, I've still sort of motorsport, automotive orientated my hobbies, um, mm-hmm. sort of getting away from the sport, but in a different way, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, I've actually been getting right back into my karting once again. So still somewhat competitive, but for me, I find that a real um, enjoyable way to to get away from the reality of you know obviously the the commercial side of our sports. and you yeah. know it's it's very um, you know it, it, it can take the fun out of it I suppose in the supercar scene you know because yeah. there's just so many moving parts to it whereas karting's just super raw. You just turn out the car yeah you just you can fully in control of your own destiny with carts set up you, you know what you put in is what you get out essentially and yep. um you know my girlfriend she races as well so it's a cool way for us to spend our weekends together mm-hmm. and probably outside of that is just going away going camping I'm yep. very basic sort of person just um yeah pack up the ute and and pack the tent and just somewhere where we can switch off and same thing just get away from that the craziness of the world and anything like that to to switch off is always healthy and Outside of probably that is just working on classic cars. That's um yeah, a bit of a bit of a hobby of mine, but probably not something I get enough time to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's fair. Totally understand that. Um and speaking of um, you know, getting back to it, like back to grassroots with, you know, relaxing with um carding and whatnot, back to your grass, grassroots, like young days. Who was your inspiration and your and or your idol? that really helped motivate you to want to be, obviously you yourself wanted to be a race car driver from the get go, but who was your biggest influence? That's the better word. Who was your biggest influence to get to where you're at now?
1: Um, Look, I was a bit of a one-eyed Ford supporter growing up as a kid. So Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a family that loved Fords and loved um, DJRs and Dick Johnson Racing. So for me, Mm -hmm. um, nearly every morning I was watching a Dick Johnson Racing tape um, and sort of idolized his I suppose attitude and and the way he went about his racing and having that underdog status growing up and then to become obviously the the famous name that he is today. So he he certainly parved, the you know I suppose the the benchmark growing up as a kid. Yep. Um, and then from that probably the idols would include you know names like Marcus Ambrose and Craig Lowndes and Steve Johnson. Yep. Um, yeah, there were sort of the guys that I idolized. But to be honest, it was sort of anyone that was at the peak of their sport. Yeah. And anyone that was, I suppose, well respected. You know, that was always something that I, I idolized and looked up to. And you know, just trying to look at what everyone was doing at the at the top of their sport and, and working out how I could try and implement that into my own racing and my own career.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, I've just got a few more questions for you. The first one would be, um, speaking of um, you know, sports and whatnot, did you follow any other sports when you were growing up and or
1: currently? Yeah, look, I was a bit of a one-eyed, one-eyed motorsport nut, I guess. Um, anything with wheels and a motor, I, I followed almost religiously and anything outside of that. I didn't really have too much of an interest, but mm-hmm. probably the closest sport I got to was cricket. Um, I used to use that as a bit of a social thing in school to hang out with mates and um, wasn't really anything too serious, but I did enjoy the game and had a bit of fun. But for me, um, I, I sort of always got frustrated at team sports because I wasn't in control of the game. and. sort of felt like if um, you could do your best performance and still lose, and that used to frustrate me, I suppose, being Ah, a very competitive kid at heart. Yeah, probably outside of motorsport, um, cricket was the one sport that I had a bit of an attraction to. It was more of a social thing as a kid growing up in school and hanging out with mates. But, yeah, for me, it was always anything that had four wheels and a motor. That was always my main attraction. (laughs) And, um, yeah, outside of that, still really hasn't changed today.
0: My my girlfriend, her dad absolutely loves the V8 uh, supercars. As you literally said, if it has four wheels and a motor and it races, he watches it and he he always loves it. And so I I asked him last night at the dinner table. Actually, I was like, look, I'm interviewing Todd Hazelwood tomorrow. Is there anything you'd like to ask him or find out about? And he has he has one question. Um, he was just wondering. Um, obviously the the footage between you and Frosty uh, during one of the races. Um, after the chequered flag. We, he was just wondering um, what was said between you and Frosty when you went up to the car after the, after the race in the, the dirt sort of area.
1: Yeah, obviously, it was a bit of a unique circumstance. Um, obviously, to paint a picture, two cars crossing the line and then cl- coming together after the chequered flag is not a normal scenario to be in, I guess. And no. yeah, from my point of view, obviously, I would have known what Frosty would have been thinking in his head. And from my point of view, I was essentially a passenger Completely aquaplaned at about 250 kilometres an hour, and oh, it was a, know, absolutely wet race. Yeah, and the, and the braking marker was only 100 metres away from when I was still completely up, you know, essentially on top of the track, fully locked up, and wasn't washing off any speed. So obviously, when we did come together, I jumped out the quick as quick jumped out of the car as quick as I could. To obviously, just go up to the up to Frosty and explain the situation, what had happened on my end, because obviously he would have been frustrated and yeah, probably somewhat confused. And that certainly wasn't my intention to punt him off at the end of the race. So no, no. just went over there to explain, but obviously he was pretty animated and fired up at the time. So, which, <laughs> you know, everyone's got every right to be, um, you know, you've just done 250 Ks of racing, you're hot and sweaty and you're flustered. And last thing you want to do is walk through a gravel trap at the end of a race. So, um look I probably would have been just as angry as what he was but yep. you know I just wanted to go over there and explain my side of the story I can't take it back you, you know you can only apologize so many times but yeah um yeah you know, and, and it was a, absolutely like a, an like accident or anything so no. um yeah just just wanted to explain my side of the story and um yeah there was, was a bit of press and um you know a few heated articles from their end of of you know saying I can't believe it and blah 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 but look it is what it is when you go motor racing things happen and um, when you race at those speeds um, sometimes now and then things happen from time to time so that are out of your Once control. It, yeah exactly so look yeah you know, I'm like didn't lose any sleep over it but at the same time it's not of my style to be taking people out after the start finish line but yeah but it, it definitely it, so.
0: it's definitely a testament to your character that you jumped out of the car as quick as you could to at least let him know and at least apologize whatever he went through in his mind and you know said is totally up to him and of his own prerogative but it shows real class. Um, cause as you said, after a long race, you know, and you don't want to be walking through the gravel and whatnot, you've literally got out the car after a long race and had the presence of mind to at least go over, tell him what had happened and apologised, which is a big Testament to you and a big part of what you, it resonates with what you said earlier of anyone who, that you grew up watching, you wanted them, you know, to be an idol and you thought if they were well-respected, which definitely goes a long way, um, for what you were saying earlier.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. It's um, look, I always I race hard on track, but always have respect for everyone that uh, that I race. You know, I always like to think that I can I race really hard, but I I try to keep it as fair as I can. So um, yeah, look, it's that's the sport we're in. It's a cutthroat industry, and when there's only twenty five drivers all searching for the one thing now and then, you're going to come together, unfortunately. So yeah. um, it's a unique thing with our sport where we all you know we all love and breathe the same thing week in week out but we all turn up on the same same piece of tarmac every second week so um you know you certainly don't want to go out there and make enemies but certainly not out there to make friends either
0: no that's true that's true um and last few questions obviously there's a big difference vast massive difference between driving a v8 and then driving on the road you know to go get a loaf of bread or whatever do you ever find that there's when you're when you've just come off a race or you've just come off a practice time trial or whatever it may be, um, that you pull your that when you're going home or you're going to wherever, um, after you've done that, you find yourself going a bit faster than than you usually should, sort of thing for like a minute or two as you're p- coming out the driveway, or has that been an easy adjustment for you?
1: Um, uh, look, at first it was sort of weird, um, certainly mm-hmm. when you get off the race track and then you you jump in your high car, you head back to the airport or something after a race meeting, you'd find yourself just not, you just don't feel the speed. Yeah, That's probably yeah. the biggest thing. Um, but, you know, for me to paint a picture, I'm a pretty cruisy sort of everyday driver. I drive around in a range ute. It's an automatic. Um, yeah. I, I got, I've got, um, I'm the cruisiest driver <laughs> when it comes to the roads, because, you know, I'm pretty fortunate where I've got the outlet of, you know, letting Very loose on, on a pro- pro- proper circuit and, and, and a, and a, and a safe environment. So, Look, for anyone wondering if, you know, obviously it's, it can be pretty easy to get tempted to, um, I suppose, use the streets as a racetrack, but it's certainly there's a time and a place for it. And yeah. I encourage anyone that wants to hone their skills or feel the speed to make sure they keep it to the racetrack because um, it all seems safe and a fun fun idea at the time, but it's, it's generally when things become unstuck and you yeah. become out of control. And unfortunately, for a lot of people that drive on the road's when they when they get out of control is generally the first time that they've experienced the car sideways and they generally either overreact or don't know how to react and yeah. they put they put themselves either themselves in danger or their passengers or, or other people on the road. so yeah safe reminder to, to keep it to the racetrack
0: yeah that's fair enough and very good advice there uh, last two questions so COVID hit in 2020 and then again in 2021 it reared its ugly head with another variant and whatnot um how a did you handle? The change of going from sp- sport uh, regularly to no motorsport, more or less for a bit, and then um, and what was your Netflix or Stan or whatever binge during the big worldwide
1: lockdown? <laughs> yeah, look, it was tough for everyone. Um, you know, it affected absolutely. You know, many people more ways than one. For me personally, it was. You know, initially it was very scary because you know, as a sport, and yeah, you know, and that that's our income, that's our livelihood, that's everything that you work for, and all of a sudden, to thinking about the worst case scenario very early on in the scene, it's um, you know, creates a that creates a lot of um, a lot of issues, I guess. But you know, fortunately, as a sport, we're able to climb through it. We're back racing in July, um, in 2020, and you know, we got the show back on the road, but it certainly had taken its toll as a sport. Um, It was very tough couple of years and we're still sort of trying to just get our head above water now from it all. To be honest, it's been a a big loss for for our industry, but like everyone, you know, like it doesn't matter if you run a small business or if you're in sport or events or whatever, it's, it's all affected us in different ways. And, you know, you know, simple things, you know, that, that you take for granted in life, travel, you know, my, my girlfriend was in one state and I was in another in in lockdown and we, we didn't get to see each other for months on end at the time. And, you know, things like that, that, that itself takes a toll because, you know, it's your mental health and things like that as well, that, you know, you don't necessarily think about from a day to day, normal, normal life. And all of a sudden when the, you know, you can't just jump in a car and drive across the border or go on it, go to an airport and jump on a plane, you know, all those simple things were taken away from us. So it was tough, but, um, you know, we, we got through it and sort of kept myself motivated and, um, found certainly kept myself busy um mm-hmm. sort of look back at the last two years and can't can't believe where the time's gone because well i was always sort of doing something in, in amongst my my spare time which was good so yeah. you always got to look at a negative and try and send it into a positive and that was that's some, exactly something yeah. that we uh certainly tried to do in the last couple of years and yeah come out on top of it all okay that's awesome that's honestly so
0: awesome to hear and last bit um of yeah, the last question I've got for you is: What advice would you give to any youngsters, whether they're in go karting or whether they're just starting up in Super Threes or whatnot? Any person who has aspirations to be a race
1: car driver, what advice would you give them? I'd say the biggest thing is don't be afraid to work hard. Don't don't be afraid to pick up the phone, ask questions, and reach out to people that you may think may may be uncontactable, but they are there. There are people out there willing to help and provide advice and. Get you on the right track to to leapfrog your career, um, you know. And and that again, don't don't be afraid to be working hard. You you're not going to get anywhere in life. Doesn't matter if it's sport or business or whatever you do. If you don't get off your own backside and work for what you want, you won't get anywhere. If you're relying on other people, if you're relying on a manager or your parents or whoever it may be that's close by, if you're relying on them to control your career or get and be control of your destiny, then the chances are of you succeeding are, are probably very slim because you've got to remember the profession of the people that are making a profession of the sport is, is very small. Um, yeah. So to, to crack that code and, and to make that elite step is very tough. So um, you got to look at what everyone's doing and just try and do it a little bit better. You know, it is as simple as that. You know, it's as simple as getting a whiteboard out and looking at every element of the sport, whether it be how you drive, how you manic, how you, your perception as in your image or your sponsors how you talk in the media all that stuff you got to look at am i doing a good enough job can i do it better yes or no and who's the best in that field and try and at least look up to him as a benchmark or try and do it better again Um, and it's as simple as that
0: honestly that's that's amazing i'm just going to click stop recording real quick because.